Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen. Um, the ending of that is probably still one of my favorite scriptures out there. Unto him be all the power and all the glory forever. Oh, man, that that's that's just wonderful. Uh, as a good friend of mine says, that's good gospel. But <clears throat> for this week, for Bible study, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Instead of just a, a normal, here's the theme, here's the lesson, this is what God is saying about this particular subject, we're going to go ahead and equip ourselves with some study tools. So our theme for this week is entitled A Deeper Dive, where we will be discussing how to study the Bible. Um, we hear plenty of preachers and teachers and other people say that we need to study the word. The Bible itself says to study it daily so that we would be sure to keep it and, you know, not go against it. But how do we study the Bible? That's something that, you know, you kind of got to find out through trial and error. Or if you're blessed to have someone who's been on the walk for a while, you can ask them for some pointers. So for this week, we're going to go ahead and get into that. And the Lord has been so wonderful to bless me with some points that I'm going to share with you guys tonight. So I'm going to start off with what is the Bible and what's, what is its purpose? Why do we have a Bible? Why do we need to read it? Why do we study it? These are questions that if you're new to the faith, if you're not in the faith, you may wonder. You know, even some veterans, it's like, well, why do I still need to do certain things? But um, as the cliche goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the last time I checked, the Lord's ways have never failed me. So I'm going to keep sticking to them because they're the only things that actually get me results. So I'm going to put it on screen for you guys. And we're going to start digging in how to really study the Bible, and get what we need from the Lord. So, of course, there's our first point. What is the Bible? What is its purpose? So you ask yourself this question. Is it really just a religious book? Is there more to it? Does it hold validity? Why do I need to study it? Well, uh, first and foremost, for the sake of time, of course, we're going to go through the bulk of everything, but uh, if you never downloaded any of the PDFs for the lessons, I highly encourage you grab this one because it's helpful for understanding the Bible itself. So we, we talk about it. The major theme of the Bible, of course, is God's immense love for you and for me. God loves us so much that he literally gave of himself <clears throat> so that we could have a way to salvation so that we wouldn't have to die and suffer for the things that we did wrong. Basically, in layman's terms, God took the blame for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer the crime that we should have paid for. Why, you may ask? Well, God loves us. It's a love that we can try to describe as best as we can. Agape is the word that we use, which means God's uh, unfailing, unfathomable love. It doesn't require anything from you on your part as far as gaining it he just loves you because he loves you and when you start to see how much he loves you you just start to kind of love him back because it's like wow I thought I knew what love was but I didn't because all the love I've known beforehand it had requirements it needed something from me it needed me to to give things to it because if it wasn't beneficial then it didn't serve me or I couldn't keep it or attain it or anything but God's love simply says I love you and because I love you this is what I want to do for you 
So the major theme of the Bible, of course, is his love for us. And it's broken down into three topics. It's redemption through Jesus's sacrifice. There's our repentance, accepting what Jesus did, um, believing first and foremost in our heart and then confessing it with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the only begotten son of God. He came in a body like yours and mine. And he died for our sins. And when we accept that fact and when we ask for forgiveness, because we now realize that we've been wrong about life, period, we get saved. And then we start our sanctification process. And then once we've grown in God, once our roots start to really just dive down and latch on to the vine himself, which is Jesus, then our task is to spread the gospel. We got to get out there and tell somebody not just because it's required of us, but because you know how when you really like something so much, you can't help but share it with somebody. Like earlier today, me and my mom were sharing different TV shows and movies because they're interesting. Well, so much more so is the Lord and his unfailing love for you and for me. So that's our first little theme. And I'm going to put this back on screen and keep it here for a while so we can go through them together. Secondly, the Bible is a love story. It's an action novel. It's a dramatic thriller. It's a mystery, a book of history, a guidebook, and so much more. It is literally the Lord Jesus's power wrapped up in another form so that we can comprehend it. See, the way God works, especially because of our mortality and our feeble mindedness, everything is made in a fashion to where we can wrap our minds around it. Oh, well, I know that God is good because he shows me X, Y, and Z. But in all reality, God is just good because he's perfect. There is no flaw in him, unlike me and you. Um, we know that God loves us because of his darling son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who got up on Calvary to die for you and for me, to take the sting of death away, to take the price of sin away, and to give us a new way honestly to give us the only way and that's through him and that's the only way we can get saved that's the only way we can go to heaven that's the only way we can actually grow in this life and then of course <clears throat> if you look in second timothy 3 verses 16 through 17 and i'm just going to keep this on screen for a while uh, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of god meaning we didn't just come up with it and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or person of God, if you put it in modern translation, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, meaning that everything that God gives us, it's for a reason. We have the word of God first and foremost to show us where we as a race of people, the humanity itself has messed up how much we desperately need a savior and how good our savior is that he did it knowing that we could never pay him back, but simply because there is a love, a love that we won't truly understand until we go back to the other side, until we cross the other side, I should say, and we get to be in his presence in the perfect body that he promised us where there will be no more sin, no more tears, no more anger, no more hate. Until we get there, we won't truly comprehend the spectrum of God's love for us. And then we look in John 1, uh, verses 1 through 14, specifically 1 and 2. The Bible says that in the beginning, the word already existed and that the word was with God. And most importantly, if you take a look at it, the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. We've already changed our 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 sentence structure. We've changed what we're looking at. We're no longer looking at a construct, but we're looking at a person and his name is Jesus. And the word was made flesh or it became like you and me and it dwelt among us and they beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So when we really take a look at what the Bible is, what is it, its purpose? It's to show us who God is 
we understand who one another are first and foremost by word of mouth. Oh, let me tell you about my friend. Let me tell you about my mom, my cousin, my aunt, my boss, whoever. You get to hear all these wonderful things about who they are first and foremost. So we're setting the mood for who God is. And then when you get to actually meet that person, I've heard such great things about you. And then as you form your own personal relationship, you get to know them in an even deeper level. I know God is good because I've seen what he's done in my family's life, in my friend's life, because of what I've heard he's done for other people. And then when I actually got to know the Lord for myself, listen, if not for God, first and foremost, I wouldn't be here tonight. Secondly, I don't know where I would be because a few years ago I was this close to giving up. But this lesson is about how we really study the Bible. So now we know what the purpose of the Bible is. It's to show us how desperately we need saving. It's to show us how good our God is. It's to show us how to live out this life. It's to teach us, to train us, to correct us, to feed us, to give us water. It's, it literally gives us everything we need because it's not just a book, but it is the Lord himself wrapped up in another form, just like the pillar of fire or like the, the smoke cloud or like the burning bush or like whatever God has appeared to you in whatever form. It's just another form that we can comprehend. But this form, oh, I really love the Bible. It allows us to really dig and understand because there's so much more than the face value printed text. So now we talk about how do I how do I need to study the Bible or why do I need to study the Bible? Well, let's talk about it. So why do you need to study the Bible? Well, for starters, you cannot pass the test if you don't know the materials being used for the examination. And from there, you also can't hope to get a good grade if you do not commit the material to memory. We know because at some point we've all been in school that unless you study for a test, you don't know what to expect. The teachers or professors are usually so kind as to say, hey, we're going to have a test on this material. So if you study this and go over this and really learn what the, the material is talking about, then you'll be OK. Well, see, life is a big ongoing test. And as the Lord gives it to me, there are three parts to the test. One, do you know what the test is? The test, first and foremost, is are you really alive? Because if you don't have Jesus, the answer is no. The second test, if you've accepted Jesus and now you're alive, is where do I go from here? Well, we study, we read, we pray, we make it practical, we grow. And as we grow, then we can really be used by God because now we're not just babies drinking the bottle. Now we're at the table. We have meals with our father. We talk about the day. We talk about current events. We talk about things to come and how we fit into that picture to help get his will done. And then the third test where a lot of Christians are that have been on this journey for a while. And when you get to that point is it's just simply God asking, can you trust me here? I don't know where your here is, but can you trust him there? When I've done certain things in my life, I could just hear God asking, can you trust me here? And it's like, well, Father, I've trusted you in this department. And yeah, I may be shaky because I'm a person and things scare me. But just like the man and his sick child asked the Lord, Father, or Lord, help me with my unbelief, where I'm lacking in faith, give me more faith, where I may not know you in this department of life. God, I know you can do it because you've done it for one, someone else, and two, you've brought me through so much as it is. So I don't see why you choose to not bring me through this thing. Okay, then we, we go forward and we talk about when reading the Bible, because this is where it starts to get really important for us. When we read the Bible or a particular passage of the word, find out who wrote it. 
what was going on at that time, what was their purpose for writing it, and how to make it practical for today. Our biggest issue, and I won't stay long here because we do need to get through these points. Our biggest issue is that when we're in church, when we're listening to something, it happens for me now, I'll be honest. How does that relate to me? What does that have to do with me in this current climate of the world? Because this was written thousands of years ago. Well, see, here's the thing about God's word. It's ever progressing, ever moving. But the beauty of it is, as much as God is moving forward because of his all tense that we've talked about in previous chap in previous Bible studies, when God speaks, he's speaking from a point of view that we don't understand right away. When God speaks, he's speaking both past, present, future, around that in between, whatever else there is, because our construct and understanding of time is honestly primitive because time doesn't matter to God. But when we study the Bible, when we understand what was going on, then we can now understand through the Holy Spirit, because it's him that teaches us. It's him that allows us to to have the capacity to hold the Bible's knowledge and wisdom inside of us. Because as Jesus has said several times, and I know I'm skipping ahead, that we can do nothing apart from him. Not a thing, not a single thing. But with God and the Holy Spirit, who's our advocate, our comforter, and our teacher, he brings back all things to our memory. And the memory is just our portion of wealth and wisdom <clears throat> that God has entrusted the Holy Spirit to, particularly for you and for me. And the cool thing is, is because we serve the ever-living God, the all-knowing God and the all-powerful God, when we need something, he gives it to us exactly when we need it. So when you understand what's going on with the scripture, what's going on with the word, you can make it practical to your everyday uses. So then from there, you want to read it. You want to reread it and you want to read the passage again until it sticks with you. The best way to do that is by paraphrasing it in your own words. Every single Bible study we have, I'm paraphrasing something for you guys. But because the word is the word and I'm not diluting it, I'm just giving it back to you in the way that I comprehend it. You can look it up and find it exactly where it is, because no matter how you deconstruct the truth and put it back together, the truth is the truth. And because God himself is his truth and he watches over his word to make sure it's performed and kept. You can take it to the bank any day of the week and cash it in because God's promises will still be standing even when we're all gone. Also, ask questions and let the Lord lead you to them so you can have a deeper understanding. Now, when I say ask questions, I don't mean, oh, well, what, what happened here? No, really ask a question. For instance, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He's dripping with blood because he's just he's full of grief. He is just stricken with grief. And he goes to the father and he prays, Lord, if it be your will, can you just take the cup away? But nevertheless, it's not about me. It's about the will, your perfect will and it being done. So I know that I'm the, I'm an obstacle right now. But can you just let your will be done? The question is that I ask for myself in situations like this. Well, Father, how do I get to this point? Lord, how do I make it practical for me? You have to not be afraid to cross that limit of your fears or whatever may be holding you back. Because see, the thing with God is he already knows what's wrong. He knows what's going on. He knows your thoughts before you think them. So if you never feel comfortable talking to another human being, understand not only does God really know what's up because he just really knows, but also he walked a mile in our shoes and not just a mile, but he walked out life. He really gets it. He's lost. He's loved. He's been angry. He's been sad. He's been grief stricken. He's been through the full range of human spectrum emotions. He gets it. He didn't have to do it to understand because he's omniscient. He's omnipotent and omnipotent. 
But he did it anyway to really show you, look, you don't have to worry about things because I already overcame that for you. That's why when we get to 1 Corinthians 10, I'm skipping myself again. But when we get there, God has a way out for you to endure, not just because he's the answer, but because he's already seen it before there was a problem. He went through it for you and for me so we could better relate that comprehension to understand God. He does not leave us in a gray area or in dark places. The Lord really loves us. And he's gone the distance and is still going because he's yet to come to show us how much he loves and cares about us. So then do your best to read the Bible daily, like really give it your all. And when I say that, I'm saying trust in the Holy Spirit to to continually feed your desire to learn more of him and let it be the focus of your mind. Joshua chapter one, seven through nine talks about to to be courageous and to not be afraid that we should study the book of instruction daily so that we would be sure to keep it and not go against it. And then the Lord's decree is for us to be courageous, to be bold and to fear not because the Lord himself is on our side. And then Philippians 4, 8 through 9, it talks about God's unfailing love for us, that if we would just talk to him and we and not be anxious about a thing, that he would give us peace, which surpasses all understanding. And toward the eighth and ninth verse, that if we would just set our minds on what is true and just and pure and holy, the, the actual qualities and promises of God, then God, the God of peace himself would be with us. And then, of course, in Revelation 10, 8 through 11, the Bible says, well, the Lord told John to take the scroll from the angel or take the book and to eat it. To We take the Bible and we consume what it's talking about. We drink the flowing living water that's pouring straight from the master's personal will. I'm talking about some crisp, clean water that we can't even imagine. Something that not only quenches our thirst so well to where we're never thirsty, but to where it cleans us from the inside out. Just like Jesus told the Pharisees, if you would worry about the inside first, then you'd actually be clean. Well, that's what the Bible is for, to clean us where it matters. Because if this gets dirty, I can take a shower. But if I'm rotten on the inside, well, then no amount of baths will ever change me into a better person. But God's word, which gives me a shower from the inside out, which detoxes me, like when you need to take a detox with supplements or whatever else you got to do. That's what's really cleaning me. So though this may be a little stinky on the outside, on the inside, I'm as ripe as fresh fruit. So all of these scriptures that I just mentioned to you guys, they encourage us. They charge us with committing the scriptures, not just to memory, but to allow the Lord to engrave them on our hearts. I can quote scripture to you guys because it's right here. It's not up here. I forget stuff every day. But what's in my heart, what I know that I know that I know without a shadow of a doubt, that's because God gave it to me. And I know his word is real because I've seen it work. I'm watching it work. I'm going to behold it happen whenever it comes to pass to tonight, tomorrow, whenever, because God is still working. And as the preachers love to say, the blood still works. But guess what? It never stopped working. So keep reading, keep studying. And when we do all of this, it really blesses us. But so here's a thing that I've heard a lot before. Where do you start if you're new to the family? Where do you do you start in Genesis? Where, where should you start? And if you're a seasoned veteran, I would recommend this, too, because it really helps re-solidify the foundation. And that foundation for everything is Jesus. Unlike other religions, if you take their quote unquote God away, you still got rules and laws that they can abide by. But if you take Jesus away from this Christianity walk, which simply means being his disciple, being his child, then we have nothing. I, I know we have the Old Testament, but the Old Testament's purpose was to bodyguard us and show us that we needed saving. So without the Savior, we'd be living life in vain. So I'm going to put this back on screen for you guys. 
So right here, if you are new to the family and do not know where to start reading, here's my recommendation. Start with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This will show you your Savior and God from various and integral angles. It will help you understand the Lord's love and selfless sacrifice for all of us. Then I would recommend you check out the book of Hebrews, as it is simply the Old Testament abridged. And if you don't know what the word abridged means, it simply means it's streamlined. It gets to the point by touching on all the major topics as quickly as possible to help you understand how we got to where we currently are. Then the book of Romans is an explanation of the law of love, which is under Jesus our Lord, and how we should strive to live life through him. Ephesians delves into the family, which is the body of Christ, being portrayed through Jesus our Lord, and how we, the body, are the greatest example of his love for us. So here's the beautiful thing about if you were to go about reading the Bible this way, and then you start in Genesis and read on through. See, our greatest, I'll say, source of wisdom, of course, is the Lord. And then when we get past just the Lord himself, he's told us the end. We won because he won. We know how it ends. We know in the book of Revelation how it's all going to go down. And once it's all said and done, We'll be with him in his presence forever and ever. All the, the books will have their accounts balanced out and we'll just be doing our thing with the Lord forevermore. Amen. Here's the cool part. When you know the end. The fun is understanding how you got there. In Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you get to see Jesus from four angles in Matthew uh, the promised seed who's come to save his people and set them free. And Mark, an obedient servant who's doing his just due to make sure that we understand where we need to be to humble ourselves, so to say. And Luke, we get to look at him from an intellectual standpoint. Yes, this man is wonderful. He does a lot of great things, but he's also divine. We got to keep that in mind. And then we get to John, who takes the three mashes them together and sprinkles on the big fact that says, look, I get what y'all are saying and I agree. But are you sure you understand that this is God in the flesh? It starts off with what we talked about a little bit earlier. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, meaning that he is always was and is to come when we pray. <laughs> getting ahead of myself, but thank you, Lord. When we pray, when we call upon the name Jesus, we are simultaneously saying, Abba, Father, Lord and Savior, Comforter, Teacher, Advocate, Wisdom, whatever other aspect of God, we're calling on all of him at once. When you call your mom or your dad and you say, hey, mom, and they say, hey, baby, when you call them, you're saying, hi, mom, Hi, uh, the person who's nurtured me. Hi, the one I can depend on. Hi, the one that I can go to when I get a little roughed up. Hi, the one that I can just talk to about things. Though you've called them one name, they're all these different things. It's the same with God. Though you call on that name, Jesus, which is the name above every name, understand that there are no discrepancies in the Godhood. There's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, but they're all one. There's no separation. So when you say Jesus, you're saying God the Father. When you say Jesus, you're saying my Holy Spirit, the teacher, the Holy Ghost, I need something. When you say Jesus, you're saying my Lord and Savior, the risen King, the wise counselor, the Lord of Lords, the host, the Lord of heavenly host, the King of Kings. You're calling on all of his wonderful and beautiful qualities. Getting back to it. Once you go through the Bible this way and then you go from Genesis to Revelation, that light bulb effect like, wow, I get it now. It goes off in such a spectacular fashion because I can't tell you how many times I've been reading through the Old Testament to get to the New Testament to do my, you know, my read through. And it's like, wow, OK, I see what you were talking about here, Jesus. Or wow, OK, I see what 
the apostle Paul was referencing here or what Peter was talking about, because it's all pointing back to you, Lord, from beginning to end. It's all pointing to you, Father. And you're pointing out saying, I love you and I want you to get in here with me so that you will be protected, so that you will be taken care of, so that you will be blessed abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But we can't really understand God if we don't take the time to learn of him. So then we get to our third point, and it's only one more after this. And I thank you, Lord, because we're really getting through this. And I pray it's blessing y'all. What does this mean? You read scripture, you have no idea what it's talking about. I've been there. I'm pretty sure there are some other hands flying up if you're listening. I can't tell you how many times I've been confused simply because I didn't know the background or maybe I did know the background, but I didn't know how they related to one another. So here's the thing. When reading the Bible, I highly advise you choose a translation that's easiest for you to understand. Also, keep the King James Version around because it is the closest to the original text in English that we have. When you do this, it will help you find interesting points in scripture as well as lead you into a word study. Stop right there with this. Each and every week, almost, I give you guys a Greek word or some definition because these words, we lose a little bit of their context in, or their context in translation. But when we look them up and we look them up via the King James Version, because that's the original translation for English. And when we find out what these words mean and the validity and the scope of and the, and the power that they have, then as we start to read the Bible, and those definitions match up with our theme, and then the Holy Spirit kicks in that door and just drops all the facts on the table. And as you're reading through it, it's like, wow, Lord, you made it so simple to understand. It's like, yeah, isn't that cool how this and that connect to one another? It's just like the crossword puzzles or the little connected dot things they give to the kids when you go to a restaurant. You see a piece of the picture, and then the Holy Spirit paints in the rest for you. And then when you have the whole picture to look at, it's like, wow, I get it now. And we can't really get all the way there unless we do our part. Yes, the Holy Spirit can teach you any and everything that you need to know. But one of the most important things the Lord wants from you and from me, his children, is to put forth an honest effort. The more you seek him, the more you'll receive. As Jesus said, for those who seek, they shall find. For those who knock, the door will be open. And for those who ask, they will receive. So if you aren't hungry, get hungry. And if you are hungry, get hungrier. If you're thirsty, get a little thirstier. It's okay because the Lord will never leave you hanging. So this will help us find those interesting points, those interesting points, as well as lead us into the word study. Understanding what phrases or certain words mean, they further unlock the deepness or the depth of the scripture. In 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 10, it talks about how the spirit, God's spirit teaches us all things and that the spirit searches out everything. It searches out for the deepness or the deep secrets, as the NLT says, of God, meaning that what you see on the page is one thing. But because the Lord has done and said and continues to do so much more than what books can contain, there is a grand realm of spiritual wisdom that he is willing, ready and able to bless you with. And all you have to do is to be brave enough to take off the, the little life jacket, to take off the little floaties, to get out of the, the, the kitty side of the pool and to just take a leap of faith and dive on in. Because just like with Peter, <clears throat> when he walked out onto the water, though he took his eyes off the Lord for a moment, guess who held him up? Jesus. So when you get a little afraid of actually seeing what's out there in the Bible, I promise you, unlike Peter, 
because now we have the Holy Spirit residing inside of us. You will not fail to comprehend what thus saith the Lord. You will not fail to grow. You will not fail to expand because our God has given us an infinite level cap. We can't stop leveling up. And the beautiful part is once we cross the, the River Jordan and we go to the other side to be with him one faithful day. We're going to continually learn and bask in his presence forever and ever. And it's going to be so beautiful. But until we get there, why not start now? You, we, a lot of us are still at home. I know they're lifting mask laws and doing other crazy things. But regardless of whenever the Lord ends the pandemic or not, you've still been shown that, look, you can make as much time as you want to. And that's the key word as you want to for God. So I'm encouraging you to make as much time as possible for the Lord, because the more you put in to this hedge fund, the more you get out of it in the long run. The more prayer you put in, the more power, strength, peace, love, blessings you will receive. The more of the word you take in and learn and eat and nourish yourself with, the bigger blessing you can be to people around you. Because guess what? Your light, that's like my little light bulb in my light, will shine so bright it'll be like the sun. You can't look at it, but you know it's there. If you stare at it too long, it'll hurt you. But because God's love is an all-consuming fire that doesn't burn those who he's given his stamp to, it's going to shine so bright. And the darkness that can't even comprehend it, it can't understand it, it can't do anything with it, and it's going to burn straight through to the core. And it's going to release that person, that situation, that stronghold, that train of thought, and it's going to destroy it just like the walls of Jericho, just like how the veil tore in the temple when Jesus hung his head and died. And then that person, that new thought process, that new blessing foothold will rise up just like Jesus did on the third day and you will be given new life, new perception, new growth, new anything that you could possibly think for or need and even more so because God is just simply that good. So aside from the deep, we have uh, dictionaries that we use, one that I use all the time. It's called Strong's uh, Exhaustive Bible Concordance. It is a Greek slash Hebrew dictionary that gives us a grander look into the context of Scripture. This powerful tool can help your wisdom grow through Jesus as he reveals more and more. Then we talk about parallel learning. It's very similar to parallel teaching. It's simply us making connections, allowing the Holy Spirit to draw the dots from old to new, new to old, old to old, new to new, what happened thousands of years ago to today and how nothing really has changed. All we've done is implement technology. So parallel learning or tying the Bible all together through the Old and New Testament with life applications. Jesus in Matthew 28, 20 said, uh, teaching them or teaching the new disciples or our new brothers and sisters to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Meaning Jesus will never abandon you in your search for knowledge, on your quest for wisdom, and on your perpetual journey of continually growing into a more seasoned saint, which means that your practices of sin become less and less. Though we still mess up, the desire to do so is about as little as an ant is prayerfully at the end of the day. And so everything in the Bible is building off of the past things said and future things to come. If you continue to study and read, the Holy Spirit will show you just how deep the rabbit hole goes. And for my matrix, my matrix people, you know what I'm talking about. The web of scripture is truly intricate, but it all leads back to the central point. Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and Savior. No matter what you read in the Bible, where you read it at and what order you read it in, it's all pointing back to the root cause of life itself. And that's Jesus. We messed up. I, I messed up. You messed up. We all messed up. We still mess up each and every day. 
God foresaw that we would need a savior before he even created us. So he put a plan in place before the foundations of the world were laid because he is the lamb slain for all eternity, sitting on the altar before God's throne, reminding him of the promise, the new covenant that he made with man, which is the covenant of love, grace and mercy, making sure that we have a way out of no way because he literally became the way because there was nothing else for us to do. We couldn't do anything. We're not that great. We're not that bright. And honestly, we don't have anything to offer God. So he offered himself to appease the law of his word. And in doing so, everything was set in order. And when he rose from the dead on the third day, because our God lives, he is risen, as the angel said, sitting upon that tomb, because he is risen, meaning he never died. He just stepped away momentarily to go fix some things behind the scenes. But because he is risen and now we have the same life, glory be to God, through Christ Jesus' sacrifice for us, now that we have that same life flowing and brimming through us, what are we waiting on to learn? What are we waiting on to find out what God is really saying? Remember our theme for this year. He's listen. He's saying something, but are you listening? He's showing you something, but are you watching? Are you aware? And most importantly, he wants to teach you, but are you teachable? You got to be teachable. Don't think you know it all. I promise you, as someone who used to do it, it gets you nowhere and you ended up you end up looking very silly. But so we talk about it, about this rabbit hole. The Old Testament teaches us history. It teaches us morality and it alludes to the New Testament. The New Testament fully unlocks the secrets that were hidden away and foreshadowed to through the coming of our Lord Jesus. All the prophets of old, all the teachers, apostles, they all wanted to know what the real end goal God had was. But they only had tidbits. And then some of the select few, uh, like Ezekiel, like uh, Isaiah, they got to see the grand scheme of things. And it's like, wow, but I still want more. And then when Jesus was born, and I can't think of the name of the man who who held him and and thanked God that he got to see his savior, that he got to see salvation itself. But he was like, man, look, this is what I've been waiting on. This is what we as a collective have been waiting on. And then when Jesus started his ministry, he said on so many occasions that, look, y'all are getting what the prophets of old were clamoring for. They desperately wanted this so bad, but it didn't come for them. But now that you have it, take full advantage of it that we don't have to follow <clears throat> a pillar of smoke to to understand what god is trying to do for us that we don't have to climb a mountain and wait for a burning bush to scare us halfway to death to just tell us a few simple things now right here in the comfort of my home if i just say heavenly father lord abba however you address god if i come to him in his precious son, Jesus's name and address him properly. Guess what? I'm already on the mountain because we're no longer on Sinai. We're we're past Sinai now. It's not about about rage anymore. It's about repentance, forgiveness and growth. Yes, he's a just God and there will be a payment that needs to be paid someday. But understand we're now on Zion. We're we're good. We're in the clear because the rock that we stand on isn't a rock that's trying to destroy us. We're standing on the rock who wants to let you know, look, you got some stuff wrong with you. But if you let me smooth you out, I'll make those crooked places straight. I'll show you exactly what I have planned out for you because I knew you before I put you in your mother's womb. I knew you before I put your mother in your grandmother's womb. I knew you before I put anybody here. And I know the purpose, the plans. I have that expected in for you. I'm equipping you to do every good thing that I've prepared for you before I laid the foundations of the world. And all you have to do to get to know it is to pick up the word, to study it, to dig deep inside of it, to let the Lord dig deep inside of you and to pull out 
everything that says I don't want to because I have days where I don't want to read, where I may not want to pray, where I'm too tired to give the Lord the time of day. Well, he gave you 24 hours and seven days in a week. You can make some time for him because he sure made time in his plan to go die on a cross for you and for me. So the prophets, the ministers, apostles, evangelists, and teachers are all referencing the promises and statutes that God, or Yahweh, because that's his covenant name. Remember, we're talking about Jesus, not Buddha, not Allah, not Vishnu, not no dragon, not uh, not my video game controller, not self, not money. We're talking about Jesus, the, the true, only wise God. They're talking about his statutes that he decreed unto his people and everyone thereafter that will call upon his name. So when you understand the parallel or the cross references, as we talked about earlier, then that light bulb just ding, 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 like the game show buzzers. It all makes sense. And it's that progressive flow. We get sanctified spiritually and mentally. And then our knowledge is just ever evolving because now we get to see God is okay. He's God almighty. He's a savior. He's a way maker. He's a doctor. He's a, a healer, a blesser. He's my friend, my father, my mother, my sister. He's my everything. It starts to all make sense. And whatever blank spots may be left in your encompassing circle, he fills in the blanks. Because just like when you go to the doctor when you're really sick and you don't have the strength or you may not even know what goes in certain spots, just like we have preparers to do our tax returns for us, for those of us who have them real intricate. Well, God is the he's the tax preparer. But in this case, he's a life preparer. Baby, you need this. You need that. I know you're going to want these things, but they're not going to benefit you. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you what I know that you should have, because it's not about what we want. It's about what God needs for us to have and what we need aside from salvation and aside from continual grace and mercy. We need to get to know him on a more intimate level. And we can't do that unless we spend time with him. So closing out, our final point is prayer is key. I got to talk about this with my mom earlier on the phone and it was so wonderful <clears throat> so prayer is key right prayer is spending time with the lord it's having an open dialogue where we can talk and listen it is our way of continually building our relationship it is our way to release to understand to cry to be comforted to receive all that we need from abba father without prayer our relationship and our growth it's stifled greatly. Also, I've linked uh, I've linked a website at the bottom of this document for you guys. It's 12 points as to why prayer is important. I highly recommend you check that out. So we continue. You need some answers? Pray. You need help? Pray. Do you need strength or anything else like love, peace, happiness, joy, money? What do you need? Pray about it. Because prayer is the solution, because Jesus himself is the answer. In Luke 11, verses 9 through 10, that's where I was referencing earlier. For those who ask, they will receive. For those who seek, they shall find. And if you keep knocking on the door, you're going to get exactly what you need. Because God, I know Jesus said that um, your gift would be and it would be implanted into you, pressed down, shaken together, stirred up and overflowing that men would pour into you. As I was talking to my bro, Micah, earlier today, God is the man in this equation who is continuously pouring inside of you so that you have so much of an overflow of blessings, of knowledge, of wealth, of whatever it is that you need that you can't contain it. As the Lord said, don't worry about the storehouses or your treasuries or your treasure rooms or whatever you want to store valuable, quote unquote, things in. Don't worry about that because everything here is going to rot and decay. I have stuff in my room right now full of dust and I use it almost on a daily. But that's life. But see, the gifts of God, his gifts, they don't decay. Prayer also reveals God's will for your life, and it helps you understand what 
it is he really wants for you. In John chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus himself is talking about how he wants us to pray and how God's sole desire for our lives is for us to be blessed abundantly above measure. And I'm paraphrasing here, but you guys get the point. God wants us to be successful and happy, but we can't do that outside of him. So praying acknowledges the simple fact that we cannot do a single thing without the Lord's power. Jesus said in John chapter 15, that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't grow. We can't function properly. Oh, I know a lot of uh, non-believers think that they're okay without God, but I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but you're not. You're just fooling yourself because I used to fool myself. I'm speaking from experience and it's not to make you feel bad. It's to help you see that Jesus's way is not only the right way. It's not only the only way, but it's the listen. I don't have words for it. Just trust God. Trust me on this one. Speaking from experience, from trying it the other way, trying it the world's way. It doesn't work out. So we can't grow. We can't function. There also isn't any life. There is no liberty, no love, no anything outside of God. So it is imperative that we abide or we place our tent upon the rock or foundation of, of this substance, which is inside of Jesus. The best way to do this is by talking to our father. We can't expect anyone to want to do things for us, refer us to, to someone to offer us things or to invite us to do anything with them unless we have a relationship with them. In the same way, people remember what we do for them and how we treat them. Guess what, y'all? Jesus remembers as well. Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 10 talks about that. God understands exactly what it is we're all about. Because in Jeremiah 17, 10, the Lord says, I search the hearts of man to see what they're all about, and I'm going to pay them according to their actions. So are you a by-mouth Christian? I love God, but in here you're all dirty and messed up, like the mud outside my window if it were to rain. Or are you showing God that you love him by taking this word and making it practical, by using the tips and tricks and skills the Holy Spirit has given you to make the text, the eternal text, I'm not going to give it a, a time span, this eternal text, because it's God himself in the form of a book, God himself in the ultimate form that we can't comprehend right now, God himself in the form of our savior, God himself in the form of, of we, his vessels being used as microphones to convey the truth. He's going to pay that all back. He has a record. And the Bible clearly states you better be sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, because if it isn't, you don't make the cut. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. Get it right now. I promise you. I'll be 25 this year. I'm I'm good with God, but I want to get better. I don't want to be where I am right now in my relationship with the Lord 10 years from now. I want to be so much further down the line that when I look back, it looks almost infinitely distant from me, like the east is to the west. And the same distance my sins are from me, I want to be that far, that much further in my relationship with God, because there is no level cap. And then we end with Jesus, that Jesus teaches us that prayer, it's not about selfish reasons or to bring attention to ourselves. No, prayer is relinquishing the reins of life and the situations we face to Abba so that we can embrace all that he has for us. If you want to truly embody the Lord's will for your life, release the desires that our human condition wants and allow the Lord to overpower the temptations through his enduring love. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus teaches us the Our Father prayer. He teaches us in the same way that my grandmother taught me the prayer, how it is we should pray. 
And in doing so, we learn how to go before God properly. And I know the Bible says we don't know what to pray for. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. So that's the beautiful thing. Jesus is pointing us in the right direction so that when we call upon him, we can work hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. And I love God because it's like, Father, you just you keep showing up and showing out. Yep. And I love him more and more and more each day. And then in Matthew 26, 39 and Mark 14, 36, they're both instances of God in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying that nevertheless thy will be done prayer. But we get to see it from two very important angles and we'll pray out after this. And Matthew, sometimes we're like Jesus when we say, Father, all of this is going on and I know that you can do it. So if you're willing, can you just take me out of this situation? Can you get me out of here? Can you just make it go away? But regardless of what I'm asking you for, it's not about what I want. It's about your will being done. That's us sometimes. And then other times we're in Mark. Abba, Father, I know you can do anything. So take the cup away. But nevertheless, let your will be done. Other times we're frantic. We're so messed up and upset because of what life is doing or has done to us that we just want it gone now and we sometimes forget that I'm talking to the almighty this is still my father this is my parent I need to have some respect here but because God understands what we go through not just because of his infinite knowledge but because he went through it in the garden for you and for me he's baby I get you stressed out but let me handle it. Remember my perfect will that when you didn't know where the money was coming from to pay your bills, I gave you everything you needed. When you didn't know where the next meal was coming from, I gave you all the food you could hope for and then some until you had everything you needed at home. Remember when you couldn't even get out of bed because you were so depressed and then I shined my light into your life and showed you that the brighter days or the good days will always outweigh the bad. We talked about studying the Bible and how to really get in there, how to dig it up, how to, to, be, a, how to be a biblical archaeologist, I'll say. We talked about discovering the things that are there, discovering the things that are still hidden, because guess what? Just because we're saved doesn't mean that God doesn't have more for us. He has secrets, too, and he only shares them with his close friends. Just like I don't tell my secrets to everybody. I only tell them to those I can really trust. So dig deep in the word. Get in there. Put get get as deep as you can in that thing. Just get all messed up and dirty and full of mud with your shovel and go as deep as you can go until the Lord takes you even further. And then and only then. <laughs> will you truly be satiated because only God can feel that hunger so heavenly father we come before you in prayer saying thank you lord we thank you so much that not only do you teach us the tricks of the adversary so that we won't fall for them but father you give us pointers you give us advice you hold seminars on how to further just understand your word lord that if we would just dig deeper if we would go the extra mile like when we go out on jogs lord if we would just give that one problem a few more minutes of our time then we would get our breakthrough in the same way lord if we would just give you a couple of more minutes a few more days a couple of more years of our life then it would benefit and impact us so greatly to where the praise break would never end, Lord. So, Father, we thank you that not only are you so good and merciful, but that you're so kind and so loving and understanding that you made the word practical on our individual levels. It doesn't matter if someone has a Ph.D. or if they never graduated grade school. Your word has the same weight for both people and you make it as plain as day for them in their own language. So, Father, my earnest prayer for this lesson tonight is that for all those who heard and all those who will hear will understand that there is so much more than just the printed text, because, God, you cannot be contained. We serve the all encompassing God who holds all 
the entirety of creation within your the palm of your hand, Lord. And like you told us so many times, those of us who are in your hand cannot be plucked away because there is none stronger than you, Heavenly Father. And because of that, in the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, we have a way to your throne room to get the grace and mercy when we need it the most. So, Father, give us your wisdom because you never turn those away who seek your wisdom actively. And your wisdom itself cries out to any who will listen to feed them, to nurture them, to make them truly wise. Because, Lord, it's only with you that we are wise. And it is the fear and understanding of who you are where true wisdom begins. So, Lord, let your wisdom reign supreme in all of our lives who call upon you, Father. Let your wisdom reign in all of those lives who will call upon you, Lord. And for those who see what you do and are just acting as if this is some sort of game, I ask that you would have mercy on them, Lord, because just like you prayed on the cross, they know not what they do. And for those who do know, Lord, just have extra mercy because you told us to pray for our enemies. So, Father, I ask that you would continually lead us into right paths and that you would just show us what your will is and that when self wants to rise up, we would be able to crush it because it's not by our strength, but it's by yours, Heavenly Father. It's these things we thank you for in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, family, I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed.